this going on here? going on here yeah baby <laughs> hi welcome to the beautiful campus of lcmsu everybody i'm your host now say my name the chancellor pastor marcus zill You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. We are joined here today with the man, the myth, the legend, Reverend Bart Day. How are you doing today, boss? I'm great, Marcus. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How long do I get to call you my boss? You only get a couple more weeks, and then I'll be making the transition to LCEF, and uh, you'll be out from under me. And so for all of your listeners, let's just start to show off right. Uh, Marcus... You are fired. <laughs> and I intend to say that several times throughout the show. I've been trying to fire you for the last several no, years, but... I am... Uh, yeah. <laughs> for everybody out there, uh, Pastor Day is the executive director of the Office of National Mission. A uh, Marcus's boss. Marcus is... Well, apparently your former... My, my former boss. <laughs> and uh, we always joke about this. He's probably fired me a hundred times over the last six years. I've tried to fire him 10 or 11 times. Usually he's like, what? You can't fire me. I'm your boss. <laughs> or he's tried to fire me. I remember one time you tried to fire me. I said, you can't fire me. I won't let you fire me. What do you mean I can't fire you? I'm Bart Day. I'm your boss. I said, well, you fired me last week. You haven't rehired me yet. <laughs> All right. Well, you're hired. Now I've, you're fired. I fired you on the radio. <laughs> I fired you on social media. I fired you, I think, in a reporter article. I mean, it, nothing works. So, Well, it is great to have you here. I thought it'd be nice to have uh, Pastor Day on today. He is uh, going to be, as he mentioned, going to be transitioning in the next month or two over to LCEF, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. And uh, it's been a tremendous uh, six years. Uh, one of the, you know, almost nearly everybody in our in the office really kind of came, most of us came on board um, with the new restructure back in 2010. And you came in and, uh, and uh, you brought me in. And so um, all of us in LCMSU have a great debt of gratitude for you and for all that you've done, including probably firing me today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been great. I came in 2011 as we were really amping up the restructure, and it's been great to serve in the Office of National Mission. And your listeners have probably heard me say this ad nauseum, but we're really here to serve the 35 districts and then with the districts, their congregations and schools and workers and recognized service organizations. So we provide those 17 or 18 programmatic ministries that happen out of the national headquarters. And campus ministry is just one of those. So it's been a great honor to be here, a wonderful opportunity to serve the church. And I'm still getting to serve the church, but at LCF in a, in a very different way, but really able to bring some support and capacity to expand ministry, not only domestically, but with LCEF around the world. So it'll be it'll be great, too. And I'm sure that we will still see you here or there. It's just that uh, you're going to be across, for those of them that don't know, LCF's right across I-44, right across the interstate. Right. Perhaps we can launch some T-shirts or something across the interstate. There we go. At, <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, thought it would be nice uh, as he is winding down his time here and uh, firing nobody but me, apparently. Um 
to talk a little bit about some of the joys and challenges of national mission um, in this crazy, wacko, post-Christian age and society that we're in. Um, you know, you've been at this for, for six years. You've had the privilege of seeing a lot more. I see a lot more of what's going on in the campus communities, uh, and you do too, but you, you've had a chance to kind of kind of be in the world of, of all these other folks that we're working with and, and organizations and whatnot. And thought it'd be nice to just kind of talk about what you, um, especially as you're leaving us, uh, what some of the joys and challenges are that you see going forward, not just for us in campus ministry, but in, in terms of just mission in general. So uh, why don't we go through a couple of those? What do you think? Are, what, what's, what's one of the big ones that you think when you ponder these things? Well, let me just say a f- word before we jump into the three or four um, that I jotted down that I think are good to talk about and have lots of campus ministry connections. Woo-hoo! But I think, uh, first of all, you just got to say, I think it, this is a great time to be in the church. It's a great time to be in the domestic church in the United States. It's uh, far too easy to see all kinds of challenges and, and decline and, and become all dour about things. But as I travel around, I see unbelievable work happening across the synod, uh, across the broader Christian church, uh, the mission work, uh, the mercy work, uh, the sharing of our life together is just happening in, in wonderful ways all over. So I just really encourage people that I hope that they're able to see uh, the excitement in their own community of what they're doing in their local congregations or organizations, but know that there is a broader work happening across the church. And the Lord has prepared us for such a time like this in this kind of non-Christian area. It's not like this is the first time in the world where people have lived in sort of a more non-Christian environment or a hostile environment. I mean, we got people all over the world that have been living in this environment while we've been sort of uh, fat and happy here in the United States. And and those times of uh, persecution or pressure on the church oftentimes really brings out the very best in the church and, and gives the church really opportunity to have uh, unique expressions of the gospel in the world. So I think the LCMS is poised uh, as an international church body with international partners all around the world to really do unbelievable things. So just start with that really positive well note said. when we talk about some of these opportunities, which you can see as certainly challenges or threats to the church, and there's opportunities and, and joys abound. So the first one I would say that I think is a joy or a challenge, particularly in the national work of the church and what you call the post-Christian age would be uh, wrestling with the question of how do we really connect with and build relationships with people who are what are oftentimes called the nuns, those people who have no affiliation to the church? Uh, how do we have those same connections and relationship with people who are unchurched or dechurched? Um, what are the entry points for those people to be connected with in an authentic way in relationships with people that allow for the gospel to to be proclaimed. I think that is that is a huge opportunity. Uh, there are certainly challenges there, but that relationship building, which is a one-on-one thing um, that is a little bit beyond just kind of an institutional organization of the church. Mm-hmm. And we hear things like that the nuns and the younger generation let's, are sort let's of- Let's define the, the nuns for everybody's sake- um, these, I mean, we're not talking about like nuns in the Catholic Church. No, okay, no, we're I talking about any relationships we're talking about them. people who have none <laughs> or no affiliation at all. They're not, right. they're not de-churched or unchurched. They're not people who were raised and then left the church. They have no, no church connection. These are the people that uh, I always quote. I, I don't like to quote statistics unless they agree with what I already thought, which is how it, <laughs> it's kind of how everybody uses statistics. But this nun category has just blown up the last thirty years or so. 
So um, as far as there's an annual study of incoming uh, freshmen um, that UCLA does, 150,000 plus students every incoming class. They've been doing it for 30 years. And uh, uh, 30 years ago or so, the number of those that, that headed off to college and said that they have no religious background, nothing at all, the nuns, uh, was 8%. Uh, now, in 30 years, basically one generation, now it's 28 or 29%. Yeah, it's huge. So it's three, three and a half times more. You start thinking of the third or fourth generation, that's about all it'll take. Right. And we, we end up losing it. So uh, so uh, this this is a different uh, cultural milieu that we're we're in. So, anyways, just so I just wanted to define that real quick, so that so that everybody knew what we were talking about. Right, but let's talk about how you create relationships with those people so that the gospel can be shared. One of my later challenges will be what is the content of the gospel to sure. people who don't have a biblical worldview at all. But you know, where are those relationships built? We we've heard things like those people are um, anti-institution, which is interesting because some research lately is showing that um, that's kind of changing because this generation also wants to engage. They want to do work. They believe they can change the world. They don't like to just necessarily give money or energy to somebody else to do it. They want to be engaged themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, They care deeply about things like social justice, (gasps) about issues of justice, which... Uh, sometimes at church, at least you the just L- triggered some of our yeah, listeners. Yeah, the LCMS doesn't like to talk <laughs> about this. There's certainly unhelpful ways to talk about justice and social justice, but there's certainly healthy, very helpful ways. And this generation cares about those things. They care deeply about issues that we are seeing, and we don't need to run through them all that are all in the news today. And they are looking and listening to how the church will speak and respond to those things. So finding authentic ways to connect with them in relationships uh, and giving them opportunities to serve, uh, I think is one way that these relationships can be built. People want the connection. They want a relationship with someone. They don't want to be sold a bill of goods or anything else. And of course, this goes to one of the other opportunities and, and maybe real challenges for us in the Missouri Synod, which is around how we do evangelism or how we actually share the faith with someone, um, it, you know, the cold knocking on doors and going into a gate and this stuff doesn't happen and it doesn't need to happen because you already have people in your life, uh, who you have relationships with that are genuine relationships who haven't yeah, heard the gospel. There, that'd they be a big help. There's well, plenty to do. Absolutely. And so uh, I think the first thing is building bridges through service, um, and those kind of opportunities, even around social justice issues where, relationships can be built with people who are outside the church for the sake of caring for them, loving them, and knowing that there will be opportunity for the gospel then to be proclaimed to them. Mm. I think that's, uh, and, and that on a college campus, holy cow, that's like, oh man, that, that opportunity there is all over the place. You not only have nuns, but you got people who are quite vocally antagonistic towards Christianity. So sure. to be a Lutheran or a Christian and live in, in that kind of worldview on a university campus, um, but you still have opportunity to have relationships. People want to be listened to. They don't want to be dismissed by the church or anyone else. They want to be validated for what they believe to be truth, which is, of course, a relativistic truth and all or that. They but, at least want you to listen to them before telling them necessarily what you think. Right. And they don't necessarily want you to tell them what's wrong with them or why they're wrong. They want to just 
have you listen to them and then you share what you believe in a positive way. And there's sure. a very there's a difference oh, yeah. between sharing with someone what you believe and attacking someone for what they don't. Now we're Lutherans and we're all about talking about where Truth, black the, and white. Well, yeah. and and also speaking against what is untrue and, sure. and and what we need to speak against. There's a long history of what we condemn. Um, and there's a place for that. But in this relationship building, particularly with people who are outside the church, they want to be listened to and then you can you can share uh, what they will view at least as your truth with them, uh, but that will open door for further conversation. This is really this is really key, especially when you know everybody is. I mentioned the word triggered before. Everybody is so triggered about anything, and they just want to emote. And you you oftentimes desensitize things by just giving them a chance to say what they would like to say. And some sometimes these young people just, um, or anybody that's outside, that they just want somebody to listen. And when we provide that, rather than just coming down on them and yelling back at them, right? Uh, it, it's huge. It goes a long way. As Christians, I think we would serve ourselves uh, greatly if we would spend more time reading the Psalms, um, because hmm. uh, the Psalms are very raw and gritty and certainly give voice to anger and angst and frustration against God and others and all the rest in a very real way. So if, if David and other writers of the Psalms can do that, um, I think for us to listen and learn and have devotion in the Psalms may attune ourselves to be able to allow people to emote, <laughs> even in very unhealthy or unchristian ways, uh, for the sake of you then being able to kind of process that with them and, and share the gospel with them in meaningful ways. Well, the, the Psalms give you a chance in your own devotional life to channel. We all need to emote a little bit, um, like you have a need to Fire to you. fire me. Yeah. So I mean, I'm feeling it right now, to be honest. I mean, I'm thinking maybe now's another good time. <laughs> but, uh, but the Psalms have a way of channeling our uh, channeling our need to emote right. in, a, in a productive and sure. a God-pleasing way. Right. And so I think that's a very healthy thing. So that's the first one. What what, what else? Uh, so we've got uh, connecting with and building relationships with the, the nuns, the those that uh, need a new entryway into the church. What, how, tell us about the changing demographics. What kind of joys and challenges do we face with that? Sure. I mean, go forward? I mean, you just have a changing demographic here in the United States where we have this ever-growing non-white, non-Anglo population uh, in in large numbers, whether it's Latinos or uh, people from the Pacific Rim, Asian folks. Um, so that whole changing demographic of people, I think, raises a lot of questions for then how do we in the church reach people that come from languages and cultures um, that are different from ours? Um, certainly no longer do you have to travel the world to go find the mission field. I know, I know that's glamorous. I know we want to go on a mission trip, but for many of us... In the Caribbean. Yeah. But <laughs> on you, the beach. But you got people from the Caribbean <laughs> and other places that are unchurched <clears throat> living right in your own backyard because sure. the whole world is coming to us. Absolutely. So that change, particularly in large urban cores where the demographic is uh, just radically changing to non-Anglo, uh, non-white, I, I think that's a huge opportunity for the church. I mean... We can talk about shrinking demographics of Christendom. We can talk about demographical decline in mainline Protestantism and in the Missouri Synod. But there, there is huge influx from immigration and refugees and other people that are coming to the United States. But the question then is, how are you going to engage them? 
And those are difficult things. You know, we think about doing like language immersion and training to send people down uh, to Latin America. So we, we will send them in this kind of very <clears throat> rigid learning of Spanish or whatever they need to learn. Right. But we've never really sort of had an effort to basically say uh, how many pastors, church workers, teachers, deaconesses are we going to intentionally train in Spanish to work right here in the continental United States. I mean, if you want to reach those people or if you want to reach people in Hmong ministry, how many people are learning to speak the language or how many people within those people groups are we raising up to become pastors and teachers and servants in the church to be able to speak the gospel in their mm-hmm. own language? Mm-hmm. And of course, in their, they have unique cultural context. They have sociopolitical issues from their oh, countries absolutely. that come with them that have a bearing on the church, how we speak to them. I mean, you want to talk about social justice issues. If you want to reach non-Germanic, white Anglos in the United States, these people coming from other parts of the world care deeply about social justice issues. I mean, the Missouri Synod may not like to talk much about immigration and stuff like that. I'm telling you what, Latino populations want to talk about that. And so if you want to engage those people, the church is going to have to find ways uh, to embrace them, bring them in, speak to their language, speak to their culture right here in the United States, well, not just you know, over there. You know, uh, I mean, it just, of course, in the campus ministry world, we just this year hit the hit the million mark of students. the number of students from, from outside yeah. the U.S. Seven percent of all college students on our college campuses in the United States are not from the United yeah, States. The international students are coming. three percent of all college students are just from China alone. And so the opportunity, but the, the top four, since I'm at 70 percent of all international students today come from China, India, uh, and the next two will be a little bit more surprising. Saudi Arabia, and the fourth one always blows people's minds. Uh, Kenya. Wow. Um, and so they're they're coming. They're they're not coming from Europe. We're not we're not getting the uh, the Anglo right. population come coming across the pond. Uh, but you think uh, about those people, Marcus, from China and India. They're going back to China and India, and if they hear the gospel oh, yes. while they're here, they're going back into very challenging, hostile, non-Christian environments where. They can not only be great doctors or scientists or whatever they're here to study, right. but they can actually help plant the church and oh, spread absolutely. the gospel to the ends of the earth. So, And so hopefully uh, whenever I, I get a new boss or if he decides to hire me or she, uh, hire me back after you've fired me four times already today. Um, only twice. I'm I, keeping track. <laughs> well, we've only got about seven minutes left here. So if you want to, oh, okay. you're running out of times to fire me here. But um, anyways, uh, I've, I've always said that, that that's one of the big frontiers that we just have to tackle in a much more intentional, bigger way than what we've done. And kudos to ISM and International Student Ministry and others that are doing that. Absolutely. But, so the changing demographics. Uh, what about worldview issues that we face? Yeah, I I shared that I think the way we proclaim the gospel into a worldview uh, with a narrative where they don't know or they've lost all biblical knowledge or they don't have a Western view of civilization in the world, uh, they don't trust or know, they don't know the text of the Bible. And for those who do, they don't trust the text of the Bible. Um, in in a worldview of these folks that are here that's totally different than ours, um, that's going to take some real work to talk about how we actually proclaim and share the gospel with them in very meaningful ways. Now, I'm not belittling the power of the gospel um, 
in the work of the Holy Spirit to create faith when and where he pleases. Uh, I'm not saying this isn't about watering down the law or the gospel or changing its content in some way. But I, I think that it's fair to say that there, there are kind of handles of the gospel and things that we hold on to, particularly in the Missouri Synod, that maybe don't completely translate into some of these other cultures. And that may not only be the demographic change, but that may be people that are like the nuns. Mm -hmm. I mean, how you talk about justice issues or how you talk about justification or sanctification, holy cow. I mean, you want to talk about how you live in a, in a sort of (laughs) sort of just general morals of society today. I mean, the church has to speak to those, but, um, how the gospel is shared with them and and what in their worldview, I think is a huge opportunity and challenge for the church. I think the Missouri Synod is in some ways uniquely poised to do this, partially because of the education level that we expect not only of pastors, but of our other church workers in sort of a a more rigid academic engagement, I think allows us to really authentically kind of ask those questions and be quite perceptive about the narrative of the world the revelation of scripture and the gospel and how we make those things actually intersect and marry together. Hmm. And and so I think that's a huge opportunity for the church. And it'll mean that the church may speak a bit differently in different contexts. And we do that on the international mission field. The question is, how are we going to do that in a nimble way here in the United States? And on college campuses where you have this whole mix of students at not only ethnicities, but beliefs and where they're coming from. And and how do you put the gospel in a way that's sort of real and authentic for them? Absolutely. So uh, we got time for maybe one more. Uh, what, what's kind of, we got about three or four minutes here. What's, what's the one last thing kind of that you'd let you see as a joy or challenge that you'd like to share with, uh, with yeah, it goes, it goes back to maybe the first one and knots all three of these together. And that is that uh, the work of the church, and I'm not talking just pastors and roster workers, but the work of the church, the priesthood of all the baptized is to witness, is to do the work of evangelism, of sharing the good news of the gospel. And I think, um, a great opportunity for the LCMS today is to really train and equip all of our people in their daily lives with the relationships they already have with people, how they simply just share the gospel and maybe how they contextually do that. You know, that what they say to one person who's at a different place is a little bit different than somebody else. So my neighbor who's a Jehovah witness, uh, that relationship building and what I'm going to say to them is maybe different than my uh, sister-in-law who's now in the midst of a divorce um, and is having sort of challenges with what does that mean for my identity and life in the church. Um, but I think really vigorously encouraging our people to be about the work of sharing their faith in their daily lives is, well, I don't think it is. I, I know that that will be absolutely transformational to the life of the church. Whether we see those fruits in the Missouri Synod numerically or whatever is not the point. But it will be transformational well, because of itself well, the gospel the will anyways. be proclaimed and the people will be sure. you know, brought to the ends of the earth. And the consummation of the age hasn't come, which means all of the elect haven't been gathered yet. So that means the church has work to do, which the Lord has given her to preach the gospel and speak that gospel into the ears of everyone. And this is precisely why... Uh, 
our, our next uh, biennial LCMSU conference is going to focus on witnessing and utilizing right. um, Reverend Mark Wood and as everyone everyone has witnessed uh, uh, materials and programs and we're going to uh, be really focusing on that for our college students because if somebody's on the cutting edge of, they of are. where they can understand this whole idea of vocational evangelism. Um, I think it's our young people on our college campuses. Well, boss or former boss, um, thank you for your uh, your thoughts. Um, just uh, for the record, it's been a real pleasure to work with you all these these years, and uh, and I value your friendship. Uh, you have been a very big champion of of everything that we've done with LCMSU. Uh, thank you for being uh, stupid enough to uh, to engage me and bring me on board. <laughs> you wouldn't have had to fire me all these years if you hadn't hired me in the first place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, we uh, everybody in uh, LCMSU land uh, um, and LCMSU nation wishes you the best, I'm sure, in terms of your time and transition over to LCF, and we pray that you'll be as, we know that you'll be as much a blessing to, uh, to everybody over in that that world and with all that they've been given to do just as you have uh, to everybody in campus ministry and everybody in the the LCMS uh, who cares very deeply about the opportunities we have for mission. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. And I would just encourage all of your uh, students to, uh, while you're there in the college campus, remain uh, steadfast and anchored uh, to a congregation. Uh, Continue yourselves to hear the word and receive the gifts of Christ and the sacrament. Uh, And then just boldly live that that faith in your daily college life and uh, use the opportunities the Lord gives you with the relationships you have with people to share the gospel. And uh, the Lord will take care of uh, everything else as he uh, always does. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union on the beautiful campus of LCMSU. Remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help.